When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Jay Scott, and you're listening to The Hook, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's having a great day. Hope everyone is enjoying the summer. It's hot and humid here in Chicago. I hope it's at least hot and sunny where you're at. Today's guest is Dean Clark, visiting from north of the border in Canada. How are you doing today, Dean? I'm good, Jay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. I really do appreciate it. We're going to start, of course, with our... First question we always ask the first time someone is on the show, and that is, like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in and has a hook to you, Dean. Going back, definitely it was Kiss. Kiss was definitely the first love. I know we're going to talk ACDC a little bit later, and we can segue into that, but definitely as a kid, it was Kiss. And I always think back, oh, when was that exact moment? And I I was so young, Jay, that it's very difficult to actually remember that exact moment. I remember buying Kiss Alive. I believe it was probably around Love Gun that I started to get into them. It would have been through friends or, you know, a friend's older brother maybe had an album, go over to their house and the music would be on and you'd see the, the album cover. And I would probably think that that was kind of the hook and, and fell in love with what Kiss was. Now, I'm 51, so it's going back a ways. Grade five, I can pretty much vividly remember probably spending more time doodling Kiss logos and practicing the, the Kiss autographs were on the inside of Kiss Alive. And I would have been about 10, 11, I guess, at that time, 77, 78, right? So, yeah, Love Gun was 77. And the solo records were 78. So definitely in that time frame is when I really started getting into music. And, and But for the most part, it was all Kiss all the time. What was it about Kiss? I mean, for me, I, I was aware of Kiss visually before I bought Lick It Up, which I've mentioned before was the first album I purchased with my own money. So I remember the visual aspect of Kiss. I remember going to the store, seeing the Halloween costumes, seeing the dolls, seeing the phonographs, seeing the, you know, the different items, the lunchbox, for instance. So I was aware of Kiss. I didn't know what they sounded like until later. Was it a visual thing for you or was it the music? I would say visual. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think the visual aspect of, wow, what are these guys? And, 
you know, what is this Gene Simmons and the Demon and the Star Child and, and, and Ace Fraley and Ace would have been probably my favorite growing up. But you saw them in the, the stores, you had the magazine racks, and we all remember 16 Magazine, uh, at least some of us older guys, when we were kids, and I was buying 16 Magazine if it had a small little picture of Kiss in it. It started scrapbooks, and I still remember the posters on my wall and the pictures that were in the magazines and taking them off and putting them on the walls, and and it was all all about Kiss. And then the record started maybe coming a little bit after that, Jay. Christmas time, birthdays, that's what you would ask for, the new album. And, and when that showed up under the Christmas tree, you're always hoping that it was going to be a Kiss album. I do remember buying my first Kiss album. It was Kiss Alive. And I bought it at the Kmart and brought it home and put it on. And I think right from that opening line of you wanted the best, you got the best, I was pretty much hooked. And I listened to that record over and over and over again, and quite honestly, still do. It, it is my favorite Kiss album, and uh, I love it and, and still listen to it you know, to this day. And uh, probably about three or four years, I think I listened to your Kiss show last night, an excellent show, by the way. And you guys talked about in that, I think it was 1980, 81 and Dynasty came out. I started to maybe get a little disinterested with Dynasty, and maybe that had a little bit to do with then being introduced to ACDC. But in that 80, 81 time period, I, I think I kind of got away from Kiss because I was starting to discover all of these other bands. And then when Lick It Up came out, I was interested in that. Creatures of the Night, I thought was a great album. But I wasn't. I wasn't a diehard. I wasn't all kiss all the time just because of, of discovering all these other bands that were now coming out. Yeah. I, um, to go back to your, to your comment about the first album that you bought is still your favorite. I feel that way with lick it up. Although I like creatures of the night yeah. and I like revenge and I like rock and roll over and love gun something about the first album, especially, you know, it's the one that you bought with your own money or the first one that you were, you know, had in your possession, there is a connection to it. And whether it's one of the popular songs on Lick It Up, like the title track or All Hell's Breaking Loose, or whether it's one of the deep cuts, like Not For The Innocent or Exciter or A uh, Million To One, the album is still highly regarded, in, in my opinion, in my collection. Um, you know, there was a lot that came after that. I know when we talked on that episode you know, we mentioned that when people started to get away from Kiss was during that Dynasty Unmasked, the Elder era. I still think that they're yeah. kind of paying for it in terms of their, I don't want to say credibility, but like you said, it, it allowed music fans to start to discover other bands like ACDC, like whether it's, you know, Queen or whether it's going back to listening to like Led Zeppelin. If you, if you're, if your yeah. first love kind of, this is you, right? And you start to look around a little bit more. It's always hard to get that trust back from the fan. And I still think today that there, there is some consequence for that era of Kiss. Although, when you do go back to the Dynasty Unmasked records, not so much the Elder, but those two, they do stand the test of time a little better than people probably originally thought. You know, people probably looked at those mm -hmm. records as throwaway albums. Over time, there is some really good stuff on, on both of those records. I mean, they're not 
the classic ones or the the ones held in, in, in high regard, but they still have those moments and those deep cuts that are like, wow, that's actually pretty good. You know, that's that's not bad. That sounds a yeah, lot better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I do think it did. Yeah, and it definitely got better at Lick It Up. There's no question. Or, or, or sorry, Creatures, because Creatures would have been 82, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so 82 Creatures. That, that had some good stuff on it. Lick It Up was obviously very good. And right. and. 80s stuff there with there is if we start going through albums and there, there's a lot of good material there's there's no question yeah no absolutely. my life changed when i heard acdc <laughs> well that's that's kind of what we're going to talk about today you know is acdc um part of the reason why we're having this conversation is you posted a picture of your book collection your acdc book collection and i was immediately impressed i was like wow that's that's like every book written about them and you know discovering that you're a hardcore ACDC fan and you know they're one of the greatest bands of all time they have some of the most recognizable catalogs in rock history i think they do have the biggest selling rock album in history which is back in black mm-hmm. uh, a band that continues to garner new fans and and have more of an appreciation today than when they were at their prime is is ACDC, you know, uh, the band from from the land down under. Um, I have to admit, yeah, I, yeah I, I have to admit, growing up and being a child of the '80s and loving the '80s music into the early '90s, I was not as much of a fan of ACDC as I became in my early 20s. Um, I, I worked at a biker bar in my early twenties as a bartender slash bouncer. And every night there was always ACDC playing at this bar. And if I didn't like ACDC by the time, you know, my, my three or four months into this job was, I, I loved them. I couldn't get enough of them. (laughs) And, um, and there was this great, tribute band not a, um, called ACDC Dirty Deeds, and they only did Bon Scott era ACDC. And then whenever they played at this bar, they packed the place, and they were absolutely phenomenal. I'm not a big cover band, tribute band guy, but these guys were, were definitely one of the better ones. What was it that got you into ACDC? Well, I'll tell you the funny story, and, and I mentioned off the top that I remember exactly where I was and how old I was and, and so forth, and I would have been 12, 13 years old, 80, 81 time period. It would have been 1980. It would have been the summer between grade 7 and grade 8, and where I lived down the road, there was a farm property, small house, a little bit of a farm, acreage, and during the summer, a bunch of teenagers were having a giant field party and they had a massive bonfire going and me and my friends were standing way back on the other side of the fence, checking all this out, listening to the music that was going on. And and obviously, wow, this big party and a big fire going on. Well, at that moment, they started playing back in black and hell's bells came on and that album played. And I was like, who are these guys? Had never heard them before. I was like, I'm blown away. And one of the older guys in the group 
had mentioned, oh, it was a group called ACDC. Well, not long after that, I had to buy the album, found out what album it was, brought it home, and, and put it on. It just blew me away. And, you know, to this day, what's funny is I've got the um, the inner sleeve. When you pull out the uh, the inner sleeve, it's got that picture, you know, the five band members? Yeah. Four on each corner, and then the big picture of Angus in the middle. And I remember being, you know, seven or sorry, 12, 13 years old, opening up that album and seeing that picture of Angus and thinking to myself, oh my goodness, like, who is this guy? And quite honestly, from that day forward, I was just absolutely hooked on ACDC. Now, did you go back and visit the Bon Scott era? And, you, you know, are you a Bon or are you a Brian guy? Today, probably more of a Bond guy. Okay. So to answer your question, yes, definitely. I went back because I think the second, I think the second album I got, it's going to be either Highway to Hell or the first album, High Voltage. Okay. Because I remember listening to High Voltage over and over and over and over again. And so then I think Highway to Hell came because again, then it wasn't until 81, late 81, that For Those About to Rock came out. See, that was my first between. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. I was just going to say for those about to rock came out and then it, you know, it obviously just kept uh, progressing and, and, and then it was just buying more and more of the albums. And so you go back, you had to go back and, 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 you know, let there be rock and, and Powerage came out. And to this day, I might argue Powerage is, is their most underrated album ever. Powerage, Powerage is my favorite. Uh, Rock and Roll Damnation, uh, Down Payment Blues, Gone Shooting, Give Me a Bullet. Just incredible record. An incredible record. However, my favorite song by ACDC is on Let There Be Rock, and that's Overdose. It's a song that's, mm, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. A song that's not talked about a lot, but a killer, killer track. Um, and then For Those About the Rock was really my introduction with the video on MTV or Night Flight that they had here in, in, in the States. They had this program, you know, I don't know if you're familiar, that was on Friday nights that would show hard rock videos, and that was one of the videos that they would show. One of the things about ACDC was if you listen to their earlier stuff, it's very raw. You know, it's, it's, you know it is so primitive in terms of the production, in terms of the guitars, I mean, it wasn't until Mutt Lang came in on Highway to Hell that he really was able to harness their sound and make, allow them to still be ACDC. Totally agree. And they're well known for, in the early days, of pretty much just going into the studio and almost playing everything and doing it in one take, right? Yeah. And so then, then and they were having troubles getting airplay. You know, you got to remember back then, Australia of course, was, you know, to us here, Australia was another world away. And so you just never heard of anything that was coming out of Australia. And they were struggling to get into the U.S. market. They had to go to England first and do all the bars and and the small clubs and tour like crazy to try and make a name for themselves. And the record companies in North America didn't like what they were hearing from the band and didn't like the album titles. They didn't like the album covers. And it took a long time for them to finally, you know, make some headway in North America. And unfortunately, 
arguably it was back in black and, and Bond never really got to taste that true success that he craved so badly as a, as a musician. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. What was who, it's a phenomenal who, story? Yeah. So who helped break them? I mean, like who was the band that took them on tour in the U S first? I'm not sure. Well, Kiss would have been one of the first ones. Okay. Believe it or not, they, they did tour with Kiss. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other bands. I, a lot of the bands, there's lots of stories of bands that did not want to take ACDC out with them. Journey, I'm trying to remember if they toured with Journey at all. They did, they did. There, was, there was a couple of... Yeah. Um, there was just an yeah. article... Yeah, there was just an article posted or something about they toured with with journey i think it was on either the infinity album or the evolution album and um they actually developed a friendship between the two bands and you know the opposites attract i guess and when bond died there was a message posted from journey's pr department or from journey through their pr department um you know remembering bond when he passed away so there was a respect and, and a and a friendship there um between those two bands yeah and there was a story it was either uh was it neil sean maybe that said that when they went on tour and he was out watching ecbc and they did their set and he was like we have to follow these guys yeah yeah i have read that i have read that <laughs> yes. imagine the energy is is just unreal. You know, if we look at Kiss from a visual standpoint, more so than the music, and, and you can't have a 40, 45-year career with crappy music. Correct. Kiss has a lot of fabulous music. I, you know, I love a lot of their music. Um, but ACDC is probably more about their music than they are visual. When you look at them, other than Angus in his schoolboy outfit, the rest of them are up there in jeans and t-shirts. Yeah, and, and all and that. So the music just being so powerful, and the energy that you talk about is all all the members. You know, Malcolm had the energy, and Bon and Brian have the energy, or you know, Bon had it, Brian has it. Um, Angus, of course, in that small frame of his, just pours out energy and just and just brings it every night that he plays but the other thing that's really similar between kiss and acdc besides great songs is the simplicity you know i mean it's basically three chords and a set of balls and that's what you got with acdc i mean it's just it's no frills it's it's and 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 every song sounds very similar but that's but the, but it works for them, right? Like, and with a lot of bands, if every song sounded the same, you'd get tired of them. With ACDC, you know, there's you know, there's 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 always differences, right? Not, I mean, they don't sound exactly the same, but you know, by the by by the first riff played, it's ACDC every time, and it's a it's a testament. Absolutely. Yeah, it's their signature sound, and and they know it works. And then you think of there's been a couple albums, I think possibly in the '80s, late '80s, where the formula did start to get a little bit tired. Um, you know, like what was it? Fly in the wall, you know, wasn't very well received and yeah. in the stuff after that. I mean, I had blow up your video. I had that album. I think, uh, what was the one after that money talks, I think, or razor's edge. I want to say, 
razor's uh, edge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I had those two, but you know, after flick of the switch, and because more bands were coming out, and there was a scene that was being created, it was difficult for them to maintain that. Um, I mean, they still packed a crowd. Mm-hmm. They still were popular, but there was a lot more competition than there was in the late seventies in the early eighties. Well, yeah, and and absolutely. And think about some of the bands in that time. You had Judas Priest coming out with Screaming for Vengeance. Mm-hmm. And Def Leppard came out with Pyromania, and you had Van Halen, nineteen eighty four, which was massive, and you know Bruce Springsteen and Maiden and Scorpions at that time. It's just it kind of goes on and on. We were so lucky to live in that time and have all these bands producing these amazing albums. And maybe it was, you know, difficult for certain bands to, to keep, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, ACDC, I think Angus actually jokes in, in print about the fact that, oh, we just keep recording the same album over and over and over again. Well, but the other thing, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, but I agreed with you on, at the point of, I think, Flick of the Switch. Flick of the Switch was 83. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I saw ACDC in concert with that tour. I love that album. I think it is also very underrated. I find it very raw. I like the uh, the early 80s, uh, sorry, the, the early ACDC stuff. And I think when they got into Fly on the Wall, and blow up your video razor's edge, stiff upper lip. I think it lacked, uh, it just lacked a little bit of depth in, in songwriting and the music itself. The other thing about ACDC during that time was you had so much of the music then be a visual um, part of the music, right? I mean, the visual was very important to what was going on. You look at the L.A. scene coming out with Quiet Riot and Rat and Motley Crue with the outfits and the big hair and all the production and the videos. You look at Def Leppard coming from the U.K., all five, you know, good looking guys and, you know, dressed with the British flag, you know, shirt that Joe Elliott had. And ACDC, like you said before, you know, was jeans and a T-shirt. Not, you know, the, the most, you know, I, I, you know, appealing guys, you know, they were all five foot five, nope. five, six, and that had to do, that had to hinder them in the eighties at some, you know, at least a little bit because you had everyone else, you know, kind of going along with what the trend was and ACDC looked the same in 1988 as they did in 1978. And yeah, they, they made no attempt and that's, you got to hand it to them. They made no attempt to change. We, you know, to go back to kiss, we started the conversation with right. Kiss was always changing. And I mentioned this in the, in the kiss podcast that we did that in the beginning, kiss was the, at the, at the forefront of trends and change. And they were leading that. So when you go in the late 70s, early 80s, into the 80s, you're, they, I, I believe they were behind that, where ACDC yeah. just didn't care. They were just going to, we're gonna, just going to show up and what we had on in this afternoon at lunch, and we're just going to play. They kept true to themselves, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. When, when did the 
Dean, ACDC fan, become Dean like the Dean the collector? You know, when did you really start to dive into that stuff? Probably in the last, most of my collection has probably grown in the last, I'm going to say 10 years, Jay. I still had a lot of stuff from when I was a kid and, and kept it. I still have my original Back in Black album, mostly just the albums, because from a collecting standpoint, ACDC really didn't have a lot of memorabilia. They weren't that type of band. I would like Kiss, right? And so I still have my original Kiss albums. I've got the original Rock and Roll Over Deckle. I've got the original Love Gun. I kept all that stuff. And But in the last 10 years, it was probably when I started kind of going a little crazy. eBay liked me. <laughs> and and I, I collected the Kiss stuff that I had when I was a kid. But somewhere along the line, maybe some of it got given away or, you know, maybe I sold it to a friend. Like, who knows? And for ACDC, because they didn't have a lot of different things to buy, they don't really have the lunch boxes. They don't have the radio. They don't have the models. You know what I mean? Right. And so I started collecting what I could find, but the one thing that I could find was the books. And so I started just picking up the books, and I'm just one of these guys that I walk into a bookstore, and I go to the rock music section, and I just look at all the different books, and, and I kind of like that. And so I thought, well, start picking up some ACDC books. And, and then it went from there. And then it became, oh, I think I'm going to have to just get every book that I can find. <laughs> and I guess the obsession kind of grew. And then it was like, oh, there's four different versions of Maximum Rock and Roll. They have four or five different covers of Bon Scott uh, book. And so then I started collecting the different covers. And I've got a couple of books that are from, you know, foreign language. And I, my daughter was traveling Australia, and she picked me up a deluxe edition of Maximum Rock and Roll. It's a bigger hardcover version. And then she was in South America traveling. And I guess when they stay in hostels and do that type of traveling, there's a book sharing program and you you take a book from a hostel but then you leave one behind and she came back from south america with a version of maximum rock and roll that i i believe it's all in spanish and so i've got all these different books and right now I, i'm at 75 wow. i counted them before i came on just so i i knew exactly where i was at and from what I can tell and all the searching I've done, I believe I've got every book that's been published in the English language. I do know that there are books out there, in, again, in Russian and, and French. And I do have a huge ACDC on tour book that's all French. It's a massive book, hardcover, with fabulous photos and pictures of their old tour posters. It's a great book, but all the uh, the writing is in, in French. And the do you remember the deluxe ACDC box set that came out with the working amplifier? That wasn't the bonfire one, that was one, it? Or 
No, no. There, uh, bonfire was different. This one was um, just the. I think it was the. It was just a deluxe. They call it the ACDC deluxe um, package, and I'm trying to remember. I vaguely, um, I vaguely remember backtracks. that. Okay. It's Backtracks, yeah. So Backtracks came out in a smaller CD version, but then they released a deluxe edition with uh, a book, a vinyl, you know, a um, whole bunch of little memorabilia pictures and so forth, and it came in a working app. Well, my book obsession is so bad that I've got the deluxe edition all together in a display case, but I like to have all my books together on one shelf. So I was searching one day, and I found the book, from that deluxe set just on its own and I bought it just so it could be on the bookshelf. A little insane. <laughs> now, do you actually read the books or do you just have them for display? <laughs> I read a lot of them. Okay. But let's be honest. You can only learn about George Young in the Easy Beats and how they met and sister naming the band and you don't learn quite honestly a whole lot more so while i've read a lot of them i can honestly say i have not read them all and maybe i'll get to them one day when life's not quite so busy Mm -hmm. but for now i can honestly say no i haven't read them all um but the the last one that i read was the one on Bond, The Last Highway. It's a Jesse Fink book, and it blew my mind. For me, because I also like reading rock books, music books, what would you recommend to me would be the one that I should read on ACDC? If you were to read one right now, I would read Bond, The Last Highway. Okay. No question. It, it really does... Maybe some people have read it and don't believe it. Uh, I've always kind of firmly believed from day one that Bond Scott had a lot more to do with Back in Black than whatever was said. Oh, I believe that, that too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That book gets into the heart of everything about Bond during that time, and it completely makes sense. Because let's face it, after Back in Black and for those about to rock, any true ACDC fan knows that the, the lyrics in the following albums are not anywhere close to the writing that Bond did during his era. Yeah, it was a very clever style, you know? Oh, it's the storytelling that he does in those songs are truly unbelievable when you get into a lot of it. Like, Go back to their very first album, High Voltage, that was released in Australia only. And some of the songs, Soul Stripper, you listen to the, the lyrics of Soul Stripper, I think that song's like almost five minutes long. And you can picture everything that's going on in that song. I, I think Bond was absolutely a, a brilliant songwriter. I do too. A very underrated very clever, like I said, very, very, it's, it's hard to be quick-witted in a song, but you kind of get it. It's, it's very, um, it can be tongue-in-cheek, and it can have a double meaning. It's a very clever way of writing that he did, very clever style, and not too many people have ever been able to match that. 
No. So yeah, I would do yourself a favor and pick up the Bond book. And again, going back to my book collection, I have three versions of that because there was an imported hardcover version that I think was in the UK and it has like two pages or three pages in there that the version didn't have. So of course I had to buy that because it was a little bit different. And then he did an update as well. And uh, so there are obviously some more information that they've added into it from the first book. I haven't read that one yet, but there's, you know, there's three versions of that book. And like I said, the five versions of Maximum Rock and Roll and some of the picture books. And they put out a book called The Treasures of ACDC. You may have seen them for some other bands, but kind of a picture book. And then throughout the book, they have replicas of ticket stubs and old concert posters and, and things like that. There's a couple of versions of that one that I have. Um, there's a lot out there. Well, 75 is a pretty good number. What have you read in any of these books that you didn't know and not a lot of ACDC fans know about the band or about Bon that surprised you or disappointed you or, or what was it? What, what, what information did you come by in these books that you know, you'd like to share that maybe an ACDC fan doesn't know? To try and not give too much away, I found it interesting in the Bond book that says that Bond's family was getting royalties from Back in Black. So if he didn't have anything to do with that album, why would he get royalties? Okay. That That's... one kind of blew me away. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And there was a time where they, the rest of the band, Malcolm really was in control of ACDC the whole time. It was, it was Malcolm's band and they were frustrated with Bond's drinking drug use. And there was talk that maybe they were looking at replacing Bond at one time. I maybe always, more ACDC fans know that. I always heard the rumor and I don't know if this is true. Obviously Brian Johnson became the singer that replaced Bond, but I always heard that Mark Storacci from Crocus was rumored to be the replacement um, when, once Bond died. Was that true? I'd, I'd heard that name. I'd heard that name as well, yeah. There were some other names as well. Um, can't think of them sort of off, off the top of my head. No name guys that most people wouldn't know about unless they read the names in a book. I think Mark Sirachi would have been a good replacement when Brian went out with his hearing problems and they brought in Axel. I just saw a video of Crocus. They were at a festival somewhere not too long ago. I guess they're planning on a little bit of a farewell tour themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to Mark Stolachi. I thought he sounded really good. Yeah, I always... I feel like he could maybe pull off ACDC. Well, he was a no-name back in that time, 1980. I mean, I don't think Headhunter had been released yet. Um, trying to think of some of the other earlier albums that I have. I can't, the names kind of elude me right now, but they were a really great rock band and, and, and very similar to ACDC. They started to glam it up. Of course, just like everybody did, except ACDC um, in the eighties. I remember the album with uh, midnight maniac on it, which 
almost got me kicked out of Catholic school because I had that cassette in, in my possession, in my desk, in my, and one of the nuns grabbed it, and the skirt was hiked up on the woman that was, that was the, on the cover, and it was scandalous, and they told me I was going to go to hell, and it was crazy. But I always, um, I always liked their earlier stuff, you know, screaming in the night and uh, long stick goes boom. All that stuff was great. And, you know, reading later on that he was considered uh, the replacement for Bond, and ACDC's never confirmed that. They've never denied it either. It would have been really interesting. You know, it would have been very, uh, I think it would have been a great match. And and maybe, now, was Brian from Australia? He's, no, he's from England. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure on that because I know, well, obviously, Mark Storacci, they're from uh, Sweden. Yeah, they're a Swedish band. Well, first time I heard Long Stick Goes Boom, I thought I thought it was new ACDC. Mm-hmm. I could see that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's amazing how much that whole opening riff sounds like, sounds like ACDC. Yeah. It's incredible. Another un- underrated What did you think of the whole Axel thing? I didn't like it, um, and here's why. And this may sound funny. I, 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 I think doing it as they did it in in a short period of time, I guess, was okay to fulfill tour dates. They needed somebody to do it. I just didn't think that he's a good fit for that band. I think he obviously is influenced by ACDC. Guns N' Roses has a huge ACDC influence. I just felt that him trying to uh, sing and replace Brian Johnson, I think it takes away from who ACDC is because you've got this larger-than-life figure on stage. And it just, for me, the chemistry just didn't work in the videos that I saw. I didn't see them live. It, um but it just for me the, the the coverage that I've seen it it just did not seem I don't know the chemistry just didn't seem to be there. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I'm I, I I'm one of these guys that believes that nobody can do ACDC. ACDC is ACDC, and I hear other bands try to do it, and to me they can't pull it off. I won't go see a tribute band. I've never seen an ACDC tribute band just because of, I guess, maybe how much of a diehard I, I am with their their music. I just truly believe nobody else can do ACDC but ACDC. And you always hear those stories about, oh, ACDC music's really easy to learn. It's three chords. But then I've talked to musicians that have said, yes, technically it's easy, but it's very difficult to actually get the right sound because of the way Malcolm and Angus tune their guitars and the way they play the the chords and the structure and everything that's there, I've often heard that it's actually very, very difficult to, to replicate. Plus the way Malcolm so hits the, the strings kind of too. Me. Yeah. But the way Malcolm hits yeah. the strings, you know, the, the angle, you know, he hits the strings and his, and, and the way he plays with his right hand, um, is very hard. Scott Ian, if you ever get a chance to watch Nikki Six, my favorite riff, he has Scott Ian on there. 
and he talks about the impact that Malcolm had on his guitar playing uh, with the rhythm guitar. It's a very good episode, so I highly, I highly uh, suggest you watch it. But yeah, Axel, you know, getting back to it, I just it just didn't it didn't feel good, and and especially the way Brian was kind of shoved out. Um, I know he had the hearing problems, but I think they should have waited for him. Um, it just didn't feel, it didn't feel right. Didn't feel good. No, no, I agree with you. It being up there in the Dave Grohl chair with the broken foot and then walking around with a, a cast on, it just seemed really forced to me. It, it really seemed we've got to complete these tour dates because there's ticket sales there. I, I, maybe the, the cynic in me probably says it was a little bit of a money grab just to, to end the tour and, you know, get those dollars. And heck, ACDC right from day one and in the books and the early days, for them, it was about making money. They wanted to make a lot of money and be rich and long way to the top if you want to rock and roll and ain't no fun waiting around to be a millionaire. <laughs> and, it, and they sang about it in their songs and, and it really seems true. And, and that's okay. We're all out there working to, to do what we can. And, but the whole Axel thing kind of seemed to me a little bit forced. Yeah, it did. And, you know, how much money, I mean, those guys are probably millionaires 10 times over with all the songs that they've written yeah. and all the royalties that they've earned. I, I, I highly think, I, I hardly think that they are, you know, hurting for, for another dollar. You know, I, I think a lot of that, I, I don't think Malcolm would have wanted to do that if he was still around. Yeah, I agree. I think that was driven by sure Angus. Down that route. Yeah, I think it was driven yeah. by Angus. And now Brian's back in the band and they're supposed to release a new album here with, with, with recordings from Malcolm on, from demos. And um, I don't know if he's actually going to be, you know, if Malcolm's playing is going to be on the album or they're going to, just going to use the, the riffs that he wrote and played. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what that's all about. Yeah, it really is. And we all saw the photos on Twitter about them in Vancouver at the studios and being on the roof and, and Cliff Williams spotted somewhere in Vancouver and, and Phil Rudd back and, I would love that if it was the band coming back with Brian and Phil on drums. And it, that's a big difference with Phil on drums. And Chris Lay did a you know great job for his years there, but it's not the same. There's just something again about the way Phil beats those drums mm-hmm. that is kind of unmistakable. And so it'll be interesting. I agree with you. It'll be really interesting to see what they're, what they're planning and what it's going to be and, is it a new album and is Malcolm's riffs on there and the tribute album to Malcolm and then does a tour follow? Who's going to be playing rhythm? And I got to go and see them for the 11th time. <laughs> We're going to get into that too, but who's going to be, uh, who's going to be on rhythm guitar for, for this album? Oh, it'll be Stevie. Okay. Yeah. No question. It'd be Stevie. He was in those photos as well. Okay. And he, he was part of the last tour. He's, he was with the band, what, back in 88. And so I think there's no question it would definitely be Stevie, 100%. You have to think, too, that once this record comes out and they tour, that this has to be it for them, right? 
I mean, they're in their upper 60s. It has to be. I mean, they're upper 60s. It takes them forever to do an album. You know, the last album they did was what? 2016? Yeah. 15, yeah. Would have been Rock or Bust. Yeah, Rock or Bust. And then before that was what? Black Ice? Yep. 2008. So, you know, seven, eight years between records. If they do another one, if it comes out this year or early next year, you know, that's five years between records. I just don't see them... I, I I could see them going the Maiden route where Maiden does a tour in support of their new album. And then they do a legacy tour mm-hmm. um, in between albums. I could see them doing that. I'm surprised a lot of bands don't do that. You know, release their album, go on They're tour. Notorious. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. When you look back, ball breaker was 95. They were fairly consistent up until 95. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of reiterating what you said, 95 for Ball Breaker, Stiff Upper Lip was 2000, so there's five years, and then Black Ice was 2008. Yeah. And then 2015 for Rock or Bust, so four albums in that time frame. You know, they go on tour for two, two and a half years and do the stadiums, and not a lot of bands today are filling stadiums. And and if this is going to be it for them, I could totally see them just milking it for for everything. You know, getting that final dollar, that last dollar that they want. Um, and and hey, yeah. you know, good for them to to do it. But I just don't see an ACDC after this album and being out on the road for two three years, and then that that'll be it. I agree, and it's it's a sad it's kind of sad to think about, isn't it? All our bands that we've grown up with of gotten older and so many of them are still touring but how much longer well, my wife and I just went to Paul McCartney on Saturday and BC Play Stadium in Vancouver 45 46,000 people it was a fantastic concert and Paul McCartney 76 years old and on the way back into town left this left the concert with to drive about an hour to, to go where our hotel was and had that conversation what is going to happen in five years from now, because it's probably safe to say five years from now, ACDC's done, if they're not done already. Kiss will be done. Metallica's probably still going. I think Potentially, they're yeah, younger. I think Metallica's got one more album. Maybe. I think they got one more album. Yeah. Maiden. Like Judas Priest, or, you know, they're, they'll be done. Maiden? Maiden might be, hey? Maiden's seventy. Well, done in five Steve, years. Steve Harris is going to be seventy next next year. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, I mean, and plus, yeah, they're, a, yeah, like like Metallica, they're very physical in their shows. I mean, they're running around, yeah, um, you know, and doing that four times a night or four times a week, three times a week, you know, for late sixties, seventies. That's tough. I know Bruce Dickinson's in really good shape. And I think all of them, most of them are, but still, you know, Father yeah. Time does have a, a an ugly way of, of reminding you that he's around. And, you know, Metallica being physical, I mean, Judas Priest, like you said, I mean, Van Halen, they can't even get it together. So, I mean, I don't even expect anything no. from them. Um, <laughs> no. I mean, but yeah, and that's the whole point that I'm so passionate about. And why I'm so passionate about new music, because 
you know, soon it's going to be what the Foo Fighters, um, yeah, that can that can draw a stadium. I mean, even even the '80s bands like Def Leppard, Bon Jovi. I mean, John Bon Jovi can't really sing anymore, and no, they're they're doing arenas, aren't they? Yeah, well, well, Bon Jovi's always been a state. Well, at least the stadium act for the past fifteen plus years. Def Leppard can do stadiums, but Def Leppard, I think, needs help, like a co-headliner like they did with Journey. Yeah. You know, people forget Bon Jovi, you know, hit after hit in the in the 80s, early 90s. Um, and, of course, you know, Def Leppard had the big album Hysteria, but it was, I think what hurt Def Leppard was the break between Pyromania and Hysteria because of what happened to Rick Allen. But, yeah, I mean, even those bands are, are, are getting up there, and, and, and none, of, none of those bands have the original members in it. None of the bands that we just talked about have any original members. I mean, Ozzy, God bless him. I mean, he's, you know, uh, I, yeah, you, you know, you're just. I, I have I have tickets to Ozzy, and he was supposed to be coming in July of this year. So actually, July 11th, I think, Okay, were, was for Ozzy in Vancouver. And of course, he canceled that. He canceled the tour, and they they moved it to July of 2020. I'm taking my 25 year old son because him and I do the concerts together now. And he's like, Dad, like, is I even going to be alive in 2020? <laughs> That's the question, right? I mean, it's kind of a. I hate to say this. This is going to sound really bad, but I'm going to say it. It's kind of a neck and neck race between him and Keith Richards at this point. You know, <laughs> who's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Keith better hold on because I have tickets to the Stones in August. Well, and I've never seen them before, and I'm dying to see them. I'm going down to Seattle to see the Stones August. I believe it's August 14th. So I'm like, Keith, you guys better hold on. Right. Well, geez, I mean, people have been kind of holding their breath for Keith Richards for the last 25 years, and and same thing with Ozzy. So it's just, it's, it's, it's. I don't know. You know, you have those death pulls, I think, in Vegas. I wonder who's got the, the, the better odds to make it to 2020. But, yeah, I know it's, it is terrible. Shame on me. <laughs> but I saw, I mean, I know we're getting off track here, but that's okay. I saw McCartney back in 2002. He played for almost four hours, played probably 30 to 40 songs, and just rocked. He was incredible. Yep. I mean, and, and he is the only act, because I go to a lot of concerts too. He is the only act that I've seen after the show, stays on stage, and is signing autographs for the people in the crowd. I don't know if he did that when Amazing. you saw him. But, yeah, I mean, the guy does not need to do that, right? He's got more money no. than, than probably half of, of, of civilization, even after his ugly divorce several years ago. But um, he's just a phenomenal performer and, and, a, and a complete professional and a guy that has written so many, so many songs that it's just, um, it's, it was a pleasure to see him. And, and I'm, I'm sure you felt the same. Absolutely. Way. I did. And he played for over three hours, 38 songs. And you just mesmerized to, Finally, and that's the first time I'd seen him. And so it was cool for me to stand there, really, and just think about, man, the 
music that this guy wrote and the impact that his band had in the 60s. And, you know, here we are, big Kiss fans and idolizing Gene Simmons, and Gene Simmons idolizes Paul McCartney. Kiss doesn't exist without the and Beatles. And the chance to see him. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Does not exist. Most of those bands from the 70s and 80s don't exist without the Beatles. In fact, pretty much no. 90% of all music, rock music that we hear, and it's when you know you see the comments on Twitter about the Beatles being overrated, and it just hurts my head when I see that because it's like, yeah, you know, they were they they're, they're they're pop music. They're not rock. Well, back in no. the '60s when they were on the Ed Sullivan Show, that was controversial, and that was rock music. Just like absolutely, just like in the early '80s and the late '70s, ACDC was considered heavy metal. You wouldn't consider ACDC heavy yeah. metal now. Def Leppard was considered heavy metal. Journey. Yeah. Escape, the album that I talked about last week on my podcast, that was voted that year by Kerrang! as the like eighth best heavy metal record that year. So, you know, wow. time always has a, uh, has a way of asserting itself and changing the opinions when you look back. It's easy to look back and say, no. They're not rock or no, they're not heavy metal. But during the time, they were what they were, right? They were rock music. That there was they created pop music, but they were rock music. Obviously, there was Chuck Berry and there was others that were around prior to them, but they were the first ones to really yeah. elevate that music. And, you know, they had long, they considered that long hair back, you know, in the sixties. You know, it's just it's yeah. just amazing how how times do change and how our view of things change as time moves on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope ACDC finds a way to get an album out here and, and do a tour. I'd love to see them, see them again. It'd be fantastic. So this, so you've seen them 10 or 11 times. I've seen ACDC 10 times. Okay. Kiss 11, ACDC 10. What was the first tour so you saw first, them? What, 83 Flick of the Switch Tour. Wow. Now, who was yeah. the opener? Fastway. Wow. Oh, one of my favorite bands. Yeah, amazing, eh? Um, I was on the floor, and back in those days, Angus would come out into the crowd when he did his guitar. He'd be on some guy's shoulder, one of the bouncers, uh, you know, security guy's shoulders, and they would... Uh, I think they'd whisk him around somewhere on a golf cart underneath the stadium and, and bring him out. And then he would come through the crowd. And I remember to this day, him probably being about 10 feet away from me as he came by me. And uh, that was pretty amazing. So that was 83. And then I guess 86 would have been the who made who tour mm-hmm. where they did a, a, a small tour for who made who I saw them in Seattle at the Tacoma dome. And then 88 was Blow Up Your Video. I saw that tour twice, and that was the first time I met them. Razor's Edge. Razor's Edge, was, I saw that tour twice. Then Ball Breaker, Stiff Upper Lip, Rock and Roll Train, which would be Black Ice. And then 2015 would have been Rocker Bust. Was the Razor's Edge tour with White Lion? I think went to Vancouver for 95. Okay. Yes, White Lion was, yeah. yeah. Uh, the... Yeah, blow up your video. That was White Lion. Okay. Okay. Wow. And and eighty 
86. The Who Made Who was Queensryche. Wow. Oh, what a great yeah. bill. What a great bill. That was, was really that, good bill. It's was funny. That, just, you know, funny. Sorry. I, I, sorry. Go ahead. Was that the Rage for Order? Tour for no. no? Okay. Was that before? So that was warning then, right? Uh, it was, yes, it was warning. Okay. I still have my concert t-shirt from that. I saw those shirts. That's amazing. I don't know. Are those show, shows you've all been to or have you purchased those on eBay? And, and... No, those, the ones that, that I, I think I sent you some photos of those are shirts that I got at the concerts back in the day. And I don't have concert shirts for every show that I've been to. I went a long time where I just went and enjoyed the shows and didn't really buy a lot of extra stuff. The only concerts I really bought shirts for were ACDC and, and KISS because they're my two favorite. But I've got my original Aussie concert shirt from 82, Diary of a Madman Tour, um, Pre-Screaming for Vengeance, my Leopard, Death Leopard Pyromania Tour shirt. Van Halen 1984 tour shirt, Springsteen, Born in the USA tour shirt, Queensryche, Warning, Scorpions Worldwide Live, I've got Rap. That's awesome. A couple of ZZ Top ones, and yeah, it's pretty cool. And I'm glad I kept them and held on to them. Didn't ACDC do a tour with Van Halen or do a show with Van Halen? um, Like an 82 or something like that? I don't know. Did they team? They might have, hey? I can't remember if they teamed up for one. I don't know. Yeah, I know there's a there's video footage of them, and they, they come off like they don't like each other. Like Angus says... Well, did it been, did it, Angus says... It wasn't the Donington, was it? Maybe it was Donington. Maybe it was that one-off show where... I think it was, I don't remember what album it was for Van Halen. I don't know if it was Fair Warning or if it was Diver Down. It might have even been Woman and Children first. I think it was with Brian. So it had to be either Back in Black or For Those About to Rock. I don't think yeah. it was Flick of the Switch. So, But, yeah, okay. that would have been a great bill to see two bands oh you know, just flying and, and in their prime at that moment or close to it. Yeah, Man, that would have been just great. What is it about seeing ACDC live that that still gets you going, still gets the adrenaline rush? I mean, I, I look, we, 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 we talked on DM about the River Plate concert in Argentina. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I find myself watching those videos more for just being mesmerized by the crowd. Because it's just insane. Like, like, holy cow. Like, I mean, like, I'm surprised people are not getting crushed during that show. It's just, if, and for those listening, if you ever want to just know what I'm talking about, go on YouTube and search ACDC River Plate and enjoy yourself because that crowd is into it from the first song all the way to the end. And it's just, I mean, I mean, the band feeding off of the energy of the crowd, the crowd totally into it. Yeah. It is just a, a magnificent display of adrenaline and energy, just just coming together and blowing your mind. I think if you're introducing somebody to ACDC for the first time, you show them that video. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
yes. for what the experience is. Now, hey, I go back and I love the Let There Be Rock movie, the concert footage with Bon Scott in Paris. And I watched that one and I'm like, and maybe it's because I just so wish I could travel back in time and see that. It's just amazing. But River Plate to really experience kind of what ACDC has been, that is such a great DVD to put on. And South American crowds are amazing, aren't they? European yeah. and South American crowds, even some of the concert footage I'm seeing of Kiss on this tour in Europe and stuff, the crowds are unbelievable. And to get into it like like we used to in the 80s, there's no, no yeah. phones, and they just seem to just really rock it out to the music. Oh, I, hate, I, I hate think the that's phones. what it is about ACDC. I hate the phones. Oh, my God. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw Black Label Society. But the a power of, of an ACDC concert. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, yeah. I was just going to say, like you'd asked me about what it is, and and it is just when they come on for the first time, and Angus comes out, and he's just such a legend, and the the photos that you see of him, or the the YouTube clips, the whatever it is, he just to me is just an amazing guitar player, and his stage presence is just so much fun. But at the same time, they're kind of mysterious mm-hmm. in a way. You know, they don't, they're not in the public eye very much. You don't see a ton of interviews with them. They disappear from the public eye, it seems like, when they're not on tour, not doing an album. And maybe that's why they still garner the crowds that they do. When they came through Vancouver in 2015, it was at the stadium and it was jammed full. And maybe that's because you don't see them very often. You talked last night on the Kiss one about the fact that Kiss has just kind of been out there a lot lately. And for a while there, they just seemed like they were always on tour. And I saw them three or four times in such a short period of time, and some of them smaller venues. And I think so when you come back to ACDC, I think that mystique maybe has a little bit to do with it, that you just don't see them very often. And as you mentioned, their music is just so powerful and, and so known that people that haven't seen them before that band that goes, you know, if I could just see one band, I'd love to see ACDC. And I run into so many people my age, friends, co-workers, that say, yeah, it's one band I wish I would have saw. And I think maybe that's what keeps it going for them from a concert's perspective and the energy that's in the crowd is people maybe haven't seen them before or people like me that just love them to death and can't wait to see them again and again. Well, Mystique is very important, right? I mean, if you talk about oversaturating markets and constantly being in the public eye, people get tired of you. People, you're not as appreciated as like an ACDC, or you can even compare it to Led Zeppelin. Why is Led Zeppelin still one of the biggest bands ever, and they haven't toured since 1980? They haven't played since 2008. That was a one-off show because there's a mystique to them. They don't sell their songs for every commercial, although they have. They've done a Cadillac commercial and a couple others. Their songs are not constantly in movies, although they have. There's a School of Rock and there's the movie with Ben Affleck about the uh, Iranian hostage crisis, or not the Iranian hostage, the, the embassy in Iran. 
you know, and there's a couple other movies, of course, but there's a mystique about them that when they release a special edition of one of their albums, it's a number one record for that week because they're, they're, they're not together. There, there is a mystique about, there's a mystery and it's the same thing with ACDC. They don't do a lot of press. Brian Johnson just recently has been doing a lot more. He had his own show that he had and that was on like access TV or whatever channel that, you know, is out there for you. Um, he's done some more interviews that he hasn't done in the past. Um, he did the thing with, um, with Jim Brewer, I want to say, or something with Jim Brewer, the comedian, Mm -hmm. but Angus did never deleted a lot of press. Malcolm never did any press. Of course, Phil Rudd was in the news because of his arrest, um, three or four years ago. And that's not, I mean, I guess, you know, any, any press is good press, but you're right. There is a mystique and, it's almost like that with Van Halen. I think if Van Halen suddenly did a tour because, I mean, they haven't released much music in the last 20, 30 years. I think that that kind of goes along with that. But um, but you're right. There, There is something to be said about less is more. And when, mm-hmm. when you have a catalog that people crave, like ACDC has, People get a chance to see it live. And again, like we talked about earlier, who knows how much longer they're going to be performing live. It draws the crowd. It makes every show jam-packed. They're playing two, three nights in, you know, every large market. They they're doing it right. You know, they're they're there's yeah. a way to do it and still maintain a level of of you know professionalism and and and, and to get there, you've got to like I said, less is more. And they don't do meet and greets. I don't think they have to. I think meet and greets are more f- just for, for extra money. You know, I mean, I, especially like the smaller um, venues and the bands that are still struggling or struggling now have the meet and greets because they got to yeah. pay for their yeah. tour. Got to make some money. Yeah. yeah, they're not getting the support. You mentioned real quick too. You mentioned about the South American crowds. I don't know if you've ever seen Flight Six Six Six, Iron Maiden, the Iron Maiden movie, when they're in. No, I haven't. Dean, you got to see it. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's a show in South America that the emotion from the crowd is breathtaking. It's incredible, and like you said, they're they're so passionate about their music. Because a lot of bands don't come to South America. They don't all tour, um, you know, Rio or Argentina. I mean, they may, be, they may come there, yeah. but it's not often that, that, a, that a major rock band comes to South America. And I know Maiden does a lot just because they're so huge there. But they are so passionate about their music. It's, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like part of their life. It's part of their soul. It's so intense. Yeah. Awesome. I'll check it out. What about ACDC live? What's your favorite thing about seeing ACDC? Oh, I think it's just, it's the whole, it's the whole production. It's the music. It's who they are. There's just something about when they step on stage that is amazing. I took my kids, my goal was to take my kids to see an ACDC concert. I wanted always for my kids to be able to say they saw ACDC. And this um, may be a little bit corny, but as a dad, 
taking them to the Black Ice Tour in Vancouver and the lights going out and the roar of the crowd just going crazy. They have their opening production video and then the explosion, the train comes out and they come out and launch into rock and roll train. And I got to tell you, as I was standing there and I look at my kids, I'm looking out at the stage and I'm looking at the crowd and quite honestly, I had a little bit of a tear in my eye because I was like, this is amazing to to be lucky enough to be there and, and to be in a position to take my kids and, that they'll always be able to say they saw ACDC, it, for me, is is pretty cool. And they've seen them twice now because we, I took them to the Rocker, the Rocker bus tour um, as well. And But that first time was, was pretty amazing because I just know there's so many people out there, again, as my age, that have never seen them. They like them, but maybe because of circumstances, geography, wherever, whatever it might be, haven't had a chance to see them. And not having that regret of, of not being able to see a band. That's like for me with the Stones. Like the last time they were in Vancouver, I think was 86 or 87 or maybe 89, the Steel Wheels tour. Well, back then I was in just, again, geography and what was going on in my life. I just had no ability to get there. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm never going to see the Rolling Stones. And so for me right now, I'm kind of like, I, you know, I'm crossing my fingers and crossing my toes that everything comes together and I'm going to see them. And I, I kind of freaked out a little bit when Mick had a surgery and they canceled the tour. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, and so for ACDC, for me, it's just, it, it's that whole, just what we've talked about, the passion, the, the mystique and the music. I always get a little bit upset when For Those About to Rock comes on because I know it's the last song. And I, I really soaked it in the last time I saw them. When that song started, I kind of just took a, a moment for myself. And when this quite possibly could be the last time I ever see them in concert. I just thought about that for a minute and then enjoyed the rest of it. And it's kind of bittersweet when that final explosion goes off and they bow to the crowd and off they go. And, oh, it's, um, I'm pretty passionate about it. I love concerts. I love music. I don't play an instrument or anything, but it just kind of takes me to a place and Kiss takes me to a place and the collecting takes me back maybe to my youth and childhood and what it was to grow up. And just music, I think, gives us all so many memories. It, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, 100% agree with you. My, my son and I um, go to a lot of shows now as he's gotten older. He's he's still a teenager. I remember taking him to see Iron Maiden. I've taken him to see Metallica. Uh, we just saw Bad Company this past weekend. Uh, it's, it's, right on. it's great to be able to share your passion, you know, with your, with your blood. You know, with you, with with your, yeah. you know, with your children, because it, if they get it like my son does, and it sounds like your kids do, it it really does transcend you. Music has a has a way of taking you back and acting like a time machine. When you hear a song, it it takes you back to where you were when you first heard it. It brings back memories. Music is is a catalyst for the mind, a catalyst for the mind in helping you open doors that may have been shut because of mm-hmm. the connection the music has for you. 
it's it's a unique connection and and I always enjoy and that's why I started this podcast was to talk about the things I'm passionate about and that's music and listening to music and going to concerts and just hearing different people's perspectives and sharing that passion with individuals like yourself who are in ACDC or in the kiss and just lose track of time when we're talking about it. We really do. I have a concert book. My wife always jokes about it. Kind of bugs me. Says I'm a scrapbooker, <laughs> but from day one, I kept, I kept this old photo album and I lost the tickets. That first five concerts I went to, Somewhere along the line, Jay, I lost my ticket stubs. It's one of those situations you maybe put them somewhere so you don't lose them, but then you lose them. And and but every concert after that, I always kept my ticket stubs, and I and I do a page or page or two in in this book of every concert that I've been to. And I haven't been to a lot of concerts. I've been to seventy. I think I think McCartney last night was number seventy eight. Well, okay. that that's that's a decent number, but. It's not near what some people have been to. There's people that have seen, you know, ACDC 70 times, Van Halen 30 times, you know, whatever it might be. But for me, where I live, you know, it's a, for me, it's a, it's a three and a half hour drive to Vancouver and then you're hoteling and, and everything. So I just can't get to every show that I would love to go to, but you know, the concert book is kind of a neat thing. And, and quite often when you have, people over inevitably it comes up and, and it becomes a showpiece and it, yeah, it kind of makes me proud to, to go through and see people marveling at the, the bands that, that we've been able to see over the years. And I love talking about it. I love concerts. I love, love the collecting and love talking to people like you and Twitter has been fantastic for music lovers and you introducing new music and, and and I like a lot of the I like a lot of the new the new bands and it's great that people like you are out there doing these podcasts and active on Twitter and introducing people to new music. I think it's um it's very valuable and I think it's fantastic that you put the time in to do it. Thank you. Um yeah, I, I'd love I'd love to to in, in invest more time and maybe down the road I'll be able to do that. You know, hearing new music for me, you know, whether, you know, a new band like we've talked about, whether it's Dorothy, who you and I both love, or Greta Van Fleet or Rival Sons or whoever it is, I I still get that that chill every time I hear new music or a new band that I connect with. Being able to pass that to my my son, who I've managed to buy him a CD player and buy him the physical copy of the music, you know, instead of just the digital, because I think you have more of a connection with music that way. Yeah. Being able to pass it. Yeah. We brought it up earlier in the podcast. The bands that we love are not going to be around much longer and things are going to look very different 10 years from now. And if we don't learn to appreciate what's coming out, new and stop the, you know, you know, being inside that bubble where, you know, new music is not good music, which is completely false. I think that the only way we're going to be able to see a rock concert 
is the small clubs, the small venues, which, you know, have its benefit too. But my son, who's 14, what's going to be the the bands when he's our age that are going to be able to play stadiums and draw crowds? We get a band like Red Van Fleet, right, who is ready to punch through and and go up that mountain that other bands have gone up before. And you can also say maybe the struts, too, are following them. And I think Rival Sons are going to be there, too. Why we got to try to tear them down? This is what we've won for our kids, right? We we always Rock fans always complain, oh, there's no bands for our kids. There's no rock music out there. Well, now there is, and it's, and it's building, and there's other bands that are – that are that are coming along for that ride. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. Listen to it. Spread the word about it because as we talked about, 10 years from now, things are going to look a lot different. And if we keep that closed mind where we don't want to listen to anything new, the only people that lose out are music fans like ourselves who are passionate. That passion is going to die with people. Well said. I totally agree in the whole Greta Van Fleet thing. I, I drove six six and a half hours to Calgary, Alberta to see them. Me and my son went. And like you said, there's people our age or older that are going, oh, there's no good music like there was back in our day. Mm-hmm. We bands like Led Zeppelin and The Who and The Rolling Stones, those are the guys that rocked. And then a band comes out like Greta Van Fleet and those same people are going, ah, they sound so much like Led Zeppelin. There's never going well, to be. If you're going to pick up. There's there's never going to be a new Led Zeppelin. There's never going to be another Who. There's never going to be another Rolling Stones. There's never going to be another Metallica. But there's going to be new stuff that's just as good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Greta Van Fleet in concert was. Were you seen them? Right? You, I think you said you've seen them two or three times. Three times. Yeah. Yeah. Three times. I, they blew me away. Absolutely. Like Several times my son and I just looked at each other like, oh my gosh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like the guitar playing and they're, they're pure musicians. The drummer, the drum solo was unreal. Absolutely. Another great new band. And I think people, if you, yeah, people should go and see them. Uh, I can't wait. They're one of the bands I can't wait to see again. I'm hoping that at some point they come around our, our parts here and, I would go and see them in a heartbeat. Another great band to see live is the Struts. And another, I'm going to go see tomorrow night is Tyler Bryant. And yeah, right on They're They're phenomenal. And rival sons. If you haven't seen rival sons yet, you have to go see them. I think they're going to be in Canada okay. um, later this summer. Okay. Phenomenal. Dean. I'll keep, I keep hearing people talking oh. about them. Yeah. I, I've, I've listened to a little bit of it. Uh, it hasn't set me on fire yet, but that's not to, to say they won't. And probably part of the problem is, is I haven't really just dedicated enough time to to just put it on and, and put it on a couple of times. Like you introduced me to Dirty Honey. I've listened to that over and over again. And The Testament, another great band and maybe ACDC influence. But yeah. uh, I, I need to probably do that with Rival Sons. Rival Sons, I saw them for the first time two years ago, and I was a casual fan. Like, I knew some of their songs, and I liked what I heard. My buddy had an extra ticket at the House of Blues, and he was like, hey, you want to go? I'm like, yeah, I'll go. Tickets were like 25 bucks, and I was blown away. So even if you listen to them, 
and maybe you're like, oh, they, you know, they're not bad. Go see them live because it's a completely different experience. And I guarantee you, you will walk out of there like, holy cow, that was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I know they're going to be touring, I think, Canada later this summer. If not, I think they're doing they're doing a co-headline tour with Stone Temple Pilots. So I think they will be coming to Canada at some point. But just an amazing band. Dorothy's amazing. Struts, Tyler Bryant, Greta Van Fleet, Joyous Wolf, Dirty Honey, The Treatment, Massive Wagons. There's so many kick-ass bands out there. Like I said, they're not going to sound like the bands we all love and grew up with. But that doesn't mean they're bad. You know, absolutely degree. Yeah. Well, hey man, this was fun. We um we lost track of time like I told you we would. And I really <laughs> I really appreciate the conversation. I was, I was worried about it. I was just like I, when you contacted me, what the heck does he want to talk to some ACDC fan up in Canada about? I thought, what the heck could I possibly offer? And we have to fill an hour? How are we going to do that? An hour? To fill an <laughs> hour did. is a lot easier than you think it is, especially when you sent me the information you wanted to talk to talk about. I'm like, yeah, we probably won't get all of this because an hour is going to go by really fast. And when you have two people talking passionately about music, it goes in different directions like it has. And, you know, you, it feels like five minutes and, you know, we've been yeah. talking for over an hour and it was a, it, it was awesome. It was great. I really appreciate it. We got to do it again. I want to do like an album by album ACDC show uh, with you where we go from high voltage, you know, all the way to at least through flick of the switch. You know, we might need a two parter to do all the albums. But if we could get through each crap, we might need two a two parter to get through just you know Bond and Brian stuff you know in the early to the early eighties. Yeah, no kidding. Because um, there's so much great material. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. That would be awesome. This was fun, Dean. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. You were great. Um, I learned a lot of different things from you. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing ACDC when they tour, if they tour. You've kind of motivated me to go see them. I know I kind of swore off the big arena shows after Metallica a couple of years ago, but I think I may do it for ACDC. If you get a chance to see them, you've got to go. So we'll make a deal. If ACDC uh, comes by your city, which they would, I would suggest that you go. And if Rival Sons comes by, I'll make a promise to go and check them out as well. That is a deal. That is a deal. All right, man. Thanks for having me, Jay. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Appreciate it. Thank you. You take care. Bye-bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 